0: Please be seated so this morning church um, as you can see we're, we're beginning the message a wee bit earlier um than usual not because the message is going to last all the way to 12 o'clock you'll be glad to know uh, but because it's going to be part of our response uh, later but more on that in a wee bit it will become clear to us so this morning church we begin a brand new series in 2023. And and for many of us will remember that our last real teaching series was called Foundations, where we took seven or eight weeks to explore the foundations of our faith, the very thing that we build our lives on. And we know that our lives for God can only be built when a strong foundation is in place we looked at the foundational elements of our faith like repentance and baptism the holy spirit the believer's judgment and how to read the bible if you want to catch up on any of those messages uh, you can check it out on our youtube now uh, about a year ago my father-in-law embarked on a building project of his own okay? And here's some photos of how it started off. So this is the first one. This is when the foundations were being laid down. This is out the back garden to my mother-in-law's delight. Uh, but this is, this is the, uh, the foundations going down in. And church, this is really where we spent September, October, November, putting in spiritual foundations for our lives. And over time, of course, we began to fill in those foundations as we went. But here's the thing, church. Yes, we need spiritual foundations for our faith. Yes, we need solid foundations to build our lives on. But it doesn't stop there, does it? You see, God has called us to be builders of something greater than ourselves. In other words, church, God isn't just happy with our foundations put in place. God wants to call us up. God wants to build us up into the people and into the church that he has called us to be and so over time our faith in our lives should really look like this over time it begins to be built up the brickwork begins to be put in place the floor begins to be laid down next photo for me there chris and over time we get something close to the finished product right not quite there it's a work in progress like all of us right but the point is this church spiritually We need our foundations, but we need to know that God's calling us higher. And so the question for us this morning, church, and the question for us in this series is this, what kind of people, what kind of church does God want to build us up to? What kind of life does he want to build with you? And that is really the beginning of our brand new series. And as we are built into the people of God and into the church of God, I think we need to think on this question. What is the kind of church that God sees? You know, when I first became the lead pastor of the Carrick Church, I had a a pastor, not from here obviously, approach me and, and come to me and they went, well, what's your vision for the church? And I went, it's been 48 hours, I don't know, right? you know (laughs) and then somebody else came to me and said you know when you're forming vision and mission you need to ask this question what kind of church do you want to be and the more I thought about that you know what I think I think sometimes we get it the wrong way around guys I don't think it's about the church we want to be or the church we want to see I think it's about the church God wants to see And church this is the journey we're going to embark on what kind of lives what kind of church does god want to see and want to build we're going to look at this morning church what it means to be a worshipful church a worshipful people we're going to look at what it means to be a welcoming people a generous people impactful in our daily lives what it means to be a restful people in a busy world you know how how did what does the sabbath look like for us today and much more than that, because we want this to be a really practical thing, church, that we don't only hear on a Sunday, but we can wake up on Monday morning and go, I can put that into practice. So as we embark in this new series, let's pray that the Lord would be with us and would open our eyes to his love. Let's pray just now. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful for you. Lord, we're so glad that you have saved us that you're renewing us, and that you desire to build us into all that you have called us to be. And Lord, may that be the cry of our heart this morning, that we would be the church that you see, that we would be the church that you have called us to be, and the people that you have called us to be in our families, in our workplaces, and in our lives. And in Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen. Now, worship in the church is a funny thing, isn't it? worship is a big topic in fact we could probably do a five-week series on worship alone but when we begin to think about what worship actually is church there's whole loads of things come to our mind isn't it interesting how even worship styles change over the years right do you remember when tambourines were a thing yeah was it like that in the church of the nazarene in the 90s yeah we're marching to Zion, Ch-ch-ch. beautiful, beautiful Zion. Right, you remember? We bring the sacrifice of praise. And it was even scary if you smiled and you tilted your head when you sang it. We did it. Yeah. And then we go all the way to modern worship styles, which are great too. And, you know, we have this, you know, years ago we had maybe... Um, you know, Ron Cannoli and, and the Gathers and Darling Check from Hillsong. And, and now we have, you know, groups like Maverick City and Upper Room. Song are still going strong and, and Bethel and, and all these great um, worship music. Even here in Northern Ireland, we have uh, Robin Mark and, and all these great producers of worship and song. And it's just funny, isn't it, how things change over the years. But you know, church, I want to suggest to us this morning, the first week of our series, that first and foremost, we are worshippers. Come with me to 1 Peter 2, uh, verses 4 to 5. It says this As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so what Peter is writing to the church is this. You are spiritual stones. Like those photos of the workshop my father-in-law's building. We're like individual spiritual stones. But we are here for a purpose. To be built into something greater than ourselves. To be built up as the church and as the house of God. But what does Peter mean here about all this priestly stuff, right? got some news for you this morning we're all joining the priesthood, right? We're all joining the priesthood this morning. The the image that Peter's using here, church, is this. It's of the Old Testament temple, And what you would have had is the, the holy of holies where God's presence would have been. And only the high priest could go in there to worship on behalf of the entire of God's people, right? Only one priest. And the idea would be that he would ceremonially clean himself, which would have been a temporary cleansing of his sins so that he could go in before the Holy of Holies, experience God's presence, and worship on behalf of the people. But now, church, we see it differently through Jesus. We don't have to ceremonially clean ourselves because the blood of Jesus has cleaned us. The blood of Jesus removes every sin and every stain so that you and I, all of us priests before God, can go into his presence and worship him for ourselves. That church is our foremost calling, to be worshipers and priests. Now, you might think to yourself, well, Peter, if if I was writing that, I would have said that the most important thing we could be as believers the most important thing we could be is the church might be, well, it might be missional, reaching people for Jesus. Or maybe it would be about compassion ministry and, and reaching out to those on the margins. Or we might say it could be discipleship and, and helping us be more like Jesus. Or it could be good Bible preaching. And don't get me wrong, church, all those things are important, aren't they? All those things are essential. But you know what? The most important thing we could ever do is to be worshipers. It is our foremost calling is to worship. And everything church flows from that. I would hope that when anybody says, what's the most important thing about Carrick Nazarene? I would love us to be able to say, worship. If anybody was to ask us, what's the most important part of our faith? It would be the worship of God. And if you look from the beginning in the Old Testament right through to the New, we see this again and again, church, this emphasis on being worshipers first and foremost. If you go to Exodus and God says to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me in the wilderness. And then if we go all the way to the book of Revelation, Revelation 5 and Revelation 7, we get this picture of every tribe, nation, and tongue coming together before God's throne and worshiping him. Because church, our highest calling, your highest calling this morning is to be a worshiper of Almighty God. We are worshipers. Now you might ask yourself, Well, is God some kind of like egomaniac, right? Is is God insecure? You know, this idea that we're created to worship, is it because he, he was missing something and you know he needed someone to kind of you know big him up a wee bit or no. What I found helpful to understanding why we're called to worship is from C.S. Lewis and his Reflections on the Psalms, and it comes actually indirectly from, from Nicky Gumbel. C.S. Lewis writes this, "'The most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. "'I had never noticed that all enjoyment "'spontaneously overflows into praise. "'The world rings with praise, "'walkers praising this countryside, "'players their favorite game,' Praise for weather, food, actors, horses, colleges, countries, historical figures, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare books, even sometimes politicians and scholars. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling each other how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. So the point, in other words, is this, church. God has created us to worship that we might be in relationship with him and that we might enjoy him forever and ever. That we could have the joy of knowing this creator of the universe, who we call Yahweh. It's why the Westminster Catechism of Faith says this. This is a foundational document for many churches. It's written here. Next slide for me, lads. Next one again. Oh, is it gone? I haven't put it in. Oh, well. It says this. What is man's chief end? It asks a question. What is man's chief end or purpose? It is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Our worship folk is the only thing that we will do in this side of eternity and the next. It's that we're worshipers and lovers of God himself. Now, here's the thing, church. Worship is a big topic, and I want to be specific this morning and talk about worship as a congregation. Uh, Worship and praise as a church together. And uh, one of the things about worship, though, church, is that God gets to set the parameters, right? God gets to tell us his preferences okay so god is a person god has preferences we are people we have preferences so for example when chloe and i started going out i realized her preference was that i wouldn't turn up two hours late to everything right and then the longer we went out i realized chloe's preference was she doesn't like cheese unless it's melted right and what you begin to do is slowly over time is as you get to know someone you get to know their preferences you get to know what they like and what they love. And you do that because we want to be with them. And church, worship is the same thing. Did you know that God has preferences in worship? And we're not talking about tambourines and trumpets, by the way, but it's more to do with our heart and our actions of our worship. And so this morning, church, we're gonna dive into this sense of what kind of worshipers is God calling us to be? The first one is this. We worship corporately. We worship corporately. So what we're going to do this, church, we're going to read the example from the book of Acts, okay? And every single time the word together appears, I want you to say it, right? So this is the example of the early church that we're going to read uh, from Acts chapter 2. Now, do you know the way we do this We dance, church, don't we, right? When I say, ask you to read something you go the first time and then we'll go back again and then we'll do it better right (laughs) let's just do it the first time all right let's just belt it out as character nazarene as we go so every time you see the word together let's shout it out okay when the day of pentecost came they were all brilliant in one place they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostle. All the believers were, yeah. and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet yeah. in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate. I yeah. wasn't highlighted with glad, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, church, in our Western world today, individualism is suffocating the faith of many. There's this prevalent theory at the moment that faith is about me, myself, and I, and I don't need anybody else. And you know what, church? That is a lie. It is not true, and it is a failure of our culture. I need you, you need me, we need each other. End of story right? We are called church to worship corporately together like this on a Sunday and any other time the people of God are gathered. I met someone recently who doesn't, doesn't go to our church, but had said to me, you know, I don't need church. And this guy could quote you any part of scripture. Don't need church. Nature is my church. That's where I find God. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to belittle things like that. Okay, of course we can meet with God in nature and nature and on our own and and then our devotional, of course, absolutely, yes and amen. But if we think that's the only thing, we need to reread the Apostle Paul. And my heart broke for the guy because I thought, man, how could you be built into everything God's called you to be? Yeah, we're single bricks, but we only become something when we're all put together. And so church, gathering corporately, don't underestimate being here together Sunday by Sunday, consistently worshiping God corporately, because church, here's the most important, that's his preference. Whether I like it or not, that's God's preference. It's the Apostle Paul's teaching, and it's what the Bible instructs us to do. And you know what, church? It's what gets us the most out of it. And some of my people may look at Romans 1 and say, well, it says that, we're to be a living sacrifice and everything in our lives can be worship. Yes and amen. But if you read on to verse five, Paul says, you're all members of the one body and you need each other. And so church, we're called to gather corporately. I cannot emphasize enough the power and the vibrancy that comes from God's people being together. Don't underestimate it. Don't lose that beautiful gift. theologian called Nathan Finocchio i have a lot of time for in his book called killer church he says this about gathering together and why it's important for worship so bear with me and let's read this together i am not alone i am not alone it says along in this salvation of mine god has designed me as a building block this is a first principle that is so important to underline again i belong to the spiritual house because i am a living stone I am a rolling stone on the couch on a Sunday morning while I groggily eat cereal and stream church online. I am a living stone when I physically show up to church with my big boy pants on. He's a theologian, by the way. At home, I am living a detached spirituality where I see myself as getting something. At home, I am living a detached... Whereas, oh, sorry. I am not a priest in my underwear at home I am a priest in church with the gathering of the saints who gather to worship God and one another. And he goes on to say this, where I participate in the life of the church, giving and partaking of the presence of Christ, unique to the gathering of believers. So church, can we worship God on our own? Of course we can be a worshipful people on our own as we should, whether it's in the car to work or in the house cleaning, absolutely. But God's preference of worship, church, is that we're gathered to worship together. And if there's something in us, church, that just doesn't like being in church, and I've met a, a few guys like this, not in our church, who just don't like being in church on a Sunday for whatever reason, guys, it's, it's not our option. It's, it's how the Lord has called us to be and to be worshipers of Him. We are called to gather together. Second is this, church, we are called to worship expectantly. Psalm 22 and 3, you hear me talk about this often, yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. Or as your version might say, you inhabit or live in the praises of Israel. And if you've never heard the theology of this verse before, it's it's basically this. If we keep that verse on the screen, you're wholly enthroned on our praises. Now, if we boil that down, church, what's a throne, essentially? Right? If you boil it down, what is a throne? It's a seat, right? A throne is a seat. And the picture that the psalmist is painting here, church, is see when we worship together and see when we lift up our praises to God, he comes and he sits. His presence comes and it rests. Do you know that song, um, and as we worship build a throne and as we worship build a throne you can feel free to join in and as we worship build a throne come lord jesus and take your place see church when we worship it quite literally builds a throne for God to come and sit on. But the throne won't build itself. And so when we gather together, church, we wanna gather expectantly. Whether it's worship night, whether it's a connect group, whether it's a Sunday morning, we gather expecting the Lord to come and meet with us. We wanna gather expecting to say, yeah, I've had a rough week, but I'm here to meet with the people of God and I'm here to meet in the presence of the one who gave his life for me. I want to meet with Jesus. Church, could become hungry, desiring in our worship to see God face to face? See, church worship is more than a service we attend. It's a person we encounter. And you know the responsibility for setting the spiritual temperature in the room when we come to worship doesn't lie with the worship team doesn't lie with a pastor. It lies with each and every one of us to come expectant and ready to taste the glory of God and to step into his presence together. Lord, I, be- I believe, church, that the Lord wants to make us a house of his presence, a house of worship that is our priority and our joy, where even when people visit here, folks, they know that God's in the room. We want to host the presence, don't we? You know, I remember a pastor saying one time, and I think it was really harsh, so I don't know if I agree with it. But he says that there's, there's churches of 2,000 people meeting this morning, and the Holy Spirit's breaking his heart. And there's churches of 50 people meeting, and he's doing cartwheels up the aisle. Because where his presence is honored, that's where he loves to be. Church, let's be a house of worship. Let's be a people of worship who welcome his presence. Thirdly and finally, we worship sacrificially. And this is probably one of our most important things, church. Now, when we say sacrificially, this is really what we mean, okay? We mean, Lord, worship is not about me this morning. Worship is all about you. But I think this video probably encapsulates it better than I could. Introducing the latest CD from Holy Parodies and the Don't Worship This Way Band. It's Wrong Worship. I will sing of your love on Sundays. Only sing of your love on Sundays. I will sing of your love on Sundays. Then this feeling is gone. Now, and get these bonus tracks. So you get the picture, right? You know, church consumerism is rife. It is rife in the church today. I heard a story one time of of a Chinese missionary who had gone to a church, and at the end of his presentation, the pastor got him up, and they were about to lay hands and pray on him, and they said, you know, to this Chinese missionary, we're praying for the Chinese church in your fight against communism. And the Chinese missionary turned around in front of the whole church and said, yes, and we're praying for you and your struggle with consumerism. And you know, church, so often we come to worship and we can come to church and it's the object of a consumer and not a contributor. It's consumerism will say, are these the right songs for worship? But a contributor will say, is my heart right for worship this morning? A consumer might say, I'm here to get ministered for me. A contributor says, I'm here to minister to the Lord. Are we contributors, folks, or are we consumers in the house of God today? Do we worship sacrificially no matter what the song is? Doesn't matter if the song is our vibe or it's not, all right? Doesn't matter if the hymn was written in 1700 or if it was written two weeks ago. We take whatever song we're singing and we just Bring it as an offering to the Lord. Because church worship is not the songs that we sing. It's the heart that we sing it from. We want to worship sacrificially. We worship as well, church, even when we don't feel like it. Even when it's not the thing we want to do. I had a friend one time who was a part of a a church singing group. Do you remember when they used to tour around the churches, usually on a Sunday night, and they would come and they would hit the telephiles up the stairs to hit the CD and the music would nearly deafen you, right? One of those groups. And and they were called Shalom, which probably lets you know the era of church they were from. It was the 1980s, right? And they were part of a singing group, toured around the churches. And there was one night they were in their home church. And the pastor came up to them and said, look, would you minister in song to us this morning? I know you're here tonight, but, but why don't you sing to us? And one of the guys in the group goes, look, look we, really, we really appreciate the offer, but we're, we're, we're tired and we just don't really feel like it tonight. And the pastor looked at them and said, well, don't feel like it. Isn't it as well that when the Lord was on his way to Calvary, he didn't say, I don't feel like it. Church, worship is sacrificial when we worship, even when we don't feel like it. It's coming to God and say, Lord, my my week is a mess, Lord God. My my work life, my family life at the minute is not where I want it to be. But Lord, even in the midst of that, still I will look to you and I will pour out my praise. I will pour out my worship because you are worthy. He is always, always worthy worthy of our worship and church what we will find is when we bring our sacrifice of praise our praise that even when we don't feel like doing it his presence rushes in and the lord draws near in ways that we can only experience when we worship corporately we worship expectantly and we worship sacrificially would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the welcome, or the welcome team, not the welcome team, the worship team. <laughs> i ask the worship team up. <laughs> They're going to play behind me. The welcome team are welcome too. like But I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> welcome team can do interpretive worship at the front. You know, church, there's a moment in the Gospels. Jesus is having dinner with some friends. And out of nowhere, this wee girl bursts in and she goes straight to the feet of Jesus and in her hand is what is called in those days an alabaster jar. It's a jar of perfume that does not come cheap. It is a a year's worth of her wages. And even though she knows that her wee life's a mess, she knows that she shouldn't be where she is. And yet she comes to the feet of Jesus and the first thing she does is in an act of worship is that she breaks this jar over his feet to say that I need you and I love you. It was a moment of sacrifice that says, Jesus, you are worth everything to me and I break my alabaster for you. And you know, church, I don't know, maybe you're a bit like me sometimes, how many times I have come among the people of God to worship and I have given a little bit of me, a little bit of my alabaster, but I have not given the whole thing. Where I have held back all of my worship and all of my praise because maybe I don't like the song or maybe because I just don't feel like it. And yet here's this wee girl who comes with nothing in her life, And she says, Jesus, I give you everything. And you know, church, I feel that the Lord is calling us to be a people who Sunday after Sunday break our alabaster jar where we pour out all that we are. We pour out all of our praise and all of our worship with passion and with fervor because He is worthy. He is worthy. And as we do that, church, we will find in our worship and in our prayers and in our praise, the Lord draw close in ways we could never imagine or comprehend. But it begins by giving Him everything. Can I encourage us this morning, church? We're about to go into three songs of worship. Can I encourage us, church, as we do this? Let's give God everything that we have. Let's break our alabaster jars before Him that His presence might come and that He might know that in this church He's worthy of praise, that in this church we're worshipers before anything, that we may encounter His glory together. Let's worship.